Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back again to the Cattleman's Call podcast. I am Lane Nordland, and we are recording today's show from the 2022 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show held in Houston, Texas. And uh, joining us are some outstanding advocates for agriculture, ambassadors for the convention and trade show as well. And truly, these are some of my favorite conversations, talking about advocating for agriculture, but also just shining a spotlight on the industry itself. And uh, joining us from Alabama is Kendra Orozco. I said it right. You did. I did say it right. This is maybe our fourth take on this show, listeners. It's it, I'm, Lane's not as polished as uh, he claims to be in these uh, edited shows. So, Kendra, thanks for joining us. And uh, Kendall Watley from Georgia. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, Taryn Dreely. I, I screwed your na- name No, oh, you got, I got it right. It. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I didn't want to have to do another take on there. Of course, Taryn coming from Nebraska, though. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Kind of got uh, Nebraska down to the southeast. We've got a nice little swath uh, of the country here today. And, uh, of course, um, I mentioned the ambassador program, but uh, for our listeners out there that may be thinking, are they diplomats? What do they do? <laughs> what I, I guess, what is the ambassador program first before I, I ask you more about uh, the operations back home? Who, who wants to jump into that one? Sure, so I can. Uh, We have a really cool opportunity to get to uh, interact with cattle producers uh, on our local levels and then across social media is where we really uh, get an opportunity to reach people we may not on a daily basis and we just try to share the message of getting involved with NCBA and coming to convention and what, uh, what value that holds for producers and allied industry alike. So, Kendall, I'll just start with you then. Obviously, uh, uh, being a connection, utilizing social media is so important in today's agriculture. But uh, let's just talk about home and uh, your involvement in in agriculture down there in Georgia. Sure. So I was raised on a seed stock operation in central Georgia. Uh, We raised Angus cattle. And uh, these days, my heart is kind of inclined to the eared cattle down there. But uh, (laughs) I am actually, I own a cattle services business. So I do a lot of photography and ad design, but I also do some genetic consultations, mostly for commercial producers that are looking to get into genomic testing and utilizing some of those tools Uh, but I'm also in a graduate program for a master's degree in ruminant nutrition and specifically forages so um, I just I love the bovine animal and uh, I take every opportunity to kind of map my life around it just like all of us we all have our our day jobs and and other (laughs) careers to pay for our cows Uh, Kendra, uh, let's talk about yourself coming from Alabama and and, and joining here at the convention. Uh, You've been an ambassador in the past, I believe. I have. So let's just talk about home and and your involvement in in, in the cattle industry. So throughout my involvement, I have helped manage um, a stocker operation and a cow-calf operation. Now I help market local cattle back home. And uh, so is this your second or third time being an ambassador? Second. Second time. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming down and joining us here on the podcast. And, and Taryn, coming from Nebraska, let's, let's talk about uh, home there. Yeah, so I grew up in northeast Nebraska on a small feedlot. I went to college and studied feedlot management. Then I worked in a corporate feedlot for seven years. Feedlots were kind of my thing. In September of 2013, I resigned my position at the feedlot and went and became a full-time ranch hand, stay-at-home mom on the ranch where we live and my husband worked. Um, And now we both live and work on 
the ranch there in the sand hills of Nebraska. And in addition to that, I run Faith Family and Beef, my blog, social media channels, and I recently became an Enneagram coach. Do you know what the Enneagram is? I don't. It's a personality typing system, but my my goal is to help people in agriculture and in our industry get to know themselves better, get to know their families and the people they work with better, so there's better communication all the way around. And so, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. We're going to have to talk about that in this. Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds cool. Obviously, when we come down here, we get to attend Cattlemen's Colleges, we get to meet people in the industry, we get to network, but truly... It's about uh, learning about what's up and coming in the cattle cattle business. And so, Kendall, uh, with, with your services as well, working in the industry away from production, what, what are some of the key things that you take away coming down to convention? I really enjoy seeing uh, some of the new technologies that uh, maybe are kind of on the forefront that we get to learn about, specifically in cattlemen's colleges. You know, a lot of these sessions are set up based off of what cattlemen are wanting to hear and wanting to learn about. And so um, things like genomic tools that we can use on our operations to make breeding and culling and marketing decisions, those are kind of um, really the things I like to learn most about and I think are really easily applicable that maybe some of our producers aren't um, as at the forefront of accepting, you know, some of those things that might push the envelope just a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, that that's one thing, especially hosting this podcast is so interesting to, to talk with producers that have pushed that envelope, whether they've been in the business for five years or 50 years. Um, and, and truly, that's what moves this industry forward. And uh, yeah, yes. and I always joke, I really don't get to attend the convention because I'm like <laughs> doing Facebooks and TV and, and sitting here hosting this. So one day I'll get fired from this and I'll get to attend <laughs> yeah. the convention. But uh, so let's just talk about a question that I like asking all producers is when was that moment you knew that you wanted to be involved in agriculture? I'll, uh, I'll start with you, Taryn, on that. I always knew. Um, but I will say that my focus shifted thanks to a physics class in college. I always <laughs> wanted to be a veterinarian, and then I had to take <laughs> physics, and I changed my major shortly after I figured out I was going to have to retake it <laughs> to get into vet school. So I, I changed my major to feed, well, animal science emphasis in feed yard management. And so, uh, so, so from knowing that and, like, you know, making that change in college can – it's not easy sometimes. For me, it was just like I could have had a double major, but I didn't want to take organic chemistry because I'm not that smart. But uh, what, uh, what, what was that moment in college, though, where you're like when you looked at that feedlot option? Well, I was talking to my advisor, and he was like, you know, with your background and, like, your interest in you're still going to be really involved with animals. And I wanted to be a large animal vet. He's like, you can go into an- the animal health crew on a feed yard whatever and I was like why didn't I think of that I was really excited about it after that conversation with him but you know like going back to the physics thing on the ranch now I realize that I actually use physics every day (laughs) I just don't have to do the equations (laughs) I just wish I used like the Pythagorean theorem more in my life in geometry you know all those classes we had to take no, we actually do use the Pythagorean theorem. I I get that. I just that's the only math term that I could uh, come up with right now. I I learned how math how to put how how to count. I haven't learned to speak yet. Obviously, I'm (laughs) tripping over my words, but uh, just playing cribbage. 
That's how my dad taught us all, all, all how to, to count. You ever play cribbage? I have years and years ago when I was a little kid with my grandma, but I couldn't tell you how to play it now. Oh, man, I don't this remember. is like, we have tournaments every day. If you go to my dad's house, it's just like you get up in the morning, you play cribbage for three or four hands till you know, whoever's going to be dominant that day. That's how I learned <laughs> to put two and two together. Still not that good at counting. But, uh, uh, Kendra, for yourself, when did you have that aha moment? Uh, was it always there or was it uh, later on when you said, you know what? I want to. I want this to be a part of my lifestyle. Well, it's always been there. I've always been part of ag and growing up in FFA and showing goats. And um, my uncle, he ran cattle. So every weekend, I tried to stay there as much as possible because I just loved it. Um, but I guess it's more of a passion and it's a calling. Mm-hmm. And when you're excited to get up at four o'clock in the morning to go work cattle, mm-hmm. and come in after dark and then you're ready to do it the next day that's when you know it's a passion not a job and how how do you describe that to folks that say oh passion getting up that early in the morning how does social media help you share that passion i guess just trying to explain it the best i can in words through social media and putting videos and pictures out and the education part being able to educate people on what you do on a daily basis versus what they think you do because some of them just think you just throw cattle out there and call it a day, and that's not it. Um, there's a lot more to it. But when it's something you love, it's not a job. So. Yeah. No, I think we all agree, especially with that, and because like we say we don't get rich in this business. Oh, you got to love it, or, yeah, you'd be out pretty quick. <laughs> and our roots are in it, and uh, it, to me it's really cool to see how many younger people are coming back, whether mm-hmm. it's you know, the multi-generational or, or first generation, just because, you know, the good and the bad of COVID is people have learned that they can work from home and you can have that other work source coming in. And I mean, my wife and I both work from home and that's enabled us to, to get our own little homestead bot separate from everybody else. And, and I really enjoy it. And, uh, but I didn't know, I always wanted a ranch, but my dad was the type that he was going to let you think about that until you got into high school and college. Like, oh, we barely make it work with one family on this place and my dad is is a fencer he's built fence his whole life to Mm -hmm. pay for the cows and there was one day in august of like i don't know 2011 and it's like 110 degrees and i'm clipping fence for him and everyone's in at the fair and i'm like i'm not going to be a fencer (laughs) but uh so i became a professional a bser but uh kindle for yourself when did uh when was that passion? Has it, was it always there? Did you always know that you were going to be involved in the business? Or, or did you ever think, um, maybe I could go live on the golf course? <laughs> no. So I, I kind of echo what Taryn and Kendra said, that it's always kind of been there. I, I think I mentioned that I was raised on a, on a seed stock operation. And so the, the love for cattle was kind of bred into me. But I don't know that I ever spent a day of my life thinking this is not where I wanted to be. Uh, And similar to Taryn, that trajectory changed as the years have passed. I, too, wanted to be a large animal vet when I uh, first went to school. And then uh, that changed once I realized how much debt I was going to come out of school in. But uh, I just love this industry and any way that I can you know get my foot in the door in different aspects of it I try to do and I joke now and say that I'm going to be a perpetual student the rest of my life (laughs) going back um, going back to school after a few years in industry but uh, no I don't think there was ever a day that I I didn't know this was where I wanted to be you know thinking about going to school have you ever had the nightmare that you 
get a call saying you actually didn't pass that one class and you have to go back to school and finish those credits. Oh, I have 100%. this recurring dream and it's math as I joke about the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> it's like you didn't pass this math class so you got to go back and take that three credit class or we're going to take your diploma away. That's like my my nightmare. Yeah. Oh. Right now I'd be like take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm doing what I want to yeah, do. Exactly. So uh, you know you, you talk about that but what is your favorite thing about being a woman in the cattle business and what would that uh, answer be for folks listening? Taryn I'll start with you. Man I just think we have a unique perspective. I mean when I was in the yard and even now on the ranch which I mean, my trajectory shifted a couple of times, too, because feed yards and ranches, it's cattle, but it's vastly different. (laughs) But I hear the guys say all the time, like, you can see things that we don't see. Like, our perception and and our ability to observe and pick things up, we have that uniquely where men don't always. Mm -hmm. It sets us apart. Kendra, same question. Yeah, I agree. And it's, we have, it's like a balance. Like we can pick up on that stuff that they don't, but then they can do the things that we can't, like the harder labor things. And, but then there's things that we can do. So it's just a balance, I guess. And I think it's interesting how more women are coming into the cattle industry every year. Interesting and super cool. Yeah. (laughs) Kendall? I, I would kind of echo uh, what they have said as well. I, I really think it's a unique thing to be able to um, look at the differences in operations that are run by men and run by women. And not, not to say that either of them are wrong, uh, but it's just different. It, it's cool to see how uh, maybe the woman's brain works more on a multitasking level where we may can handle uh, a few more things running at one time. Um, whereas men a lot of times get zoned in on one very specific thing and, and neither of those ways are wrong if it works for you. But uh, I think the, the ability to see a different perspective and, and maybe be a little more detail oriented is a really cool thing. I think it's a really cool thing to see um, maybe younger generations of women stepping up and saying, um, yeah, maybe my mom and my grandmother were in more of a support role in our operation, but uh I think it's really neat to be able to say, as a woman, I would like to step into less of a support role and more of an active role. Uh, And I think our ability to see things a little bit differently really brings a lot to the table to add to what already exists. It's just so interesting for our generation uh, coming up where that really wasn't, I wasn't brought up that way. Everyone was a part of the conversation. And how do you think social media has changed that aspect of it, too, showing that everyone is in this together? Because women have been a key part of agriculture, but I I don't think that story has been told in the generations in the past from the women that were living in dugouts and keeping operations going up in Montana when I hear about my ancestors moving up there. I mean, based on some of the comments on social media, I would say it's still very a, a very real yep. issue. Um, and Kelly and I were talking about yeah. that in our last <laughs> podcast. All the sour people out there. Yes, a lot of a lot of men and even women. I, I think some of the most yeah. hateful comments come from other women. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, about what women's role, what they think women's roles should be within operations. Mm-hmm. And I'm of the mind that it doesn't matter if you're out there ranching. Like, I do a lot of the physical ranching stuff. Mm -hmm. 
I also cook for a crew. There are some women on the ranch that only cook for the crew and and take care of the family and do that thing. Your role, if you're doing that, is just as important as it would be if you were out there doing the physical yep. stuff. So we just need to knock off the crappy comments about each other and just get along and realize that our roles are important no matter what our role is. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's not even worth engaging folks on their comments. I totally mm-hmm. get that. But if you do respond, what what's your strategy? Yeah. All of you can jump in on that. I always lead with kindness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my default yep. error on the side of kindness. I mean, there are some comments that are just so outlandish that I don't engage with but if I choose to engage it's always with kindness and I think that's what a lot of people are looking for is to get uh, a reaction out of you or a rise out of you and if they can get that in return then that's what they were looking for that's all the gratification they were looking for to begin with but I think on a on a day-to-day basis for our operations I think if we can just focus more on the team mindset and not necessarily we'll you know, you're a man, you're a woman. No, we're just a team. And whatever we have to do to get things done at the end of the day is what we need to do to better the operation, regardless of who does what individual thing. And I think as women, all we all we ask as women in ag, to me, is we're not necessarily asking for special treatment, just equal consideration. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Equal respect. And it's like Kendra said, it's a, it's about balance, and that goes right into what Kendall said about focusing on the team. Because we all have the same goal at the end of the day. Right. Like, not just for your operation, but everybody in the beef industry. Mm-hmm. I, the weirdest comments that I see is, why are these girls wearing cowboy hats? I, I And I'm like, I don't know why that just gets under my yeah. skin. I'm like, why? You should be asking me the same thing. Why not? Yeah. My question is, why not? It serves the same purpose no matter whose head it's on. Keeps the sun <laughs> off my ears. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't have to comb my hair, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no. But but on that point, isn't it great to see so many people that embrace the Western lifestyle, oh, even yeah. if they're not involved in production ag? Yep. For sure. I mean, when we were talking about people coming into agriculture, there's a lot of people coming in that don't have any background in it. And I think that's really awesome that we have so many people who weren't raised in it interested in what we do, wanting to learn more, wanting to do what we do. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it shows their support. And even like when I promote convention, I tell people, you don't have to own cattle. You don't even have to know a thing about cattle. Like you can come and learn more. And that right there just shows that you support us and want to learn more about the industry. Exactly. I think if... If you're willing to say, I don't know anything, I don't have any experience, but I want to learn, and you're willing to pull your boots on and say, what do you need me to do, or mm-hmm. what can I learn today, that's all That's all anybody can ask for. And oh, yeah. we to be able to feed the exponentially growing population, we are going to have to have people come in from the outside and say, I want to learn, teach me. So you know the TV show Yellowstone? Oh, yeah. That's based on my family, um, loosely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you guys laughed because uh, I, I travel so much and uh, you always used to get asked like, people see see me in boots and a hat are you from Texas and I'd be like mm, oh, those lonesome dove guys all died in Montana where I'm from <laughs> um, and now it's are you from Texas or Montana because Yellowstone 
and I and actually I I I always says I've only watched one episode, and it's when they pulled that 400 pound calf. You know that that, that cow was having problems <laughs> calving in the pasture, and, and and had the ear taken as a brand. But I, everyone says that that, <laughs> that that it's a good drama, and it's not real. That's what I gotta like. It's not real, Lane. You know? yeah. So I may have to start watching it, but I I prefer the Real Housewives. Uh, but. Um, <laughs> But I, I bring this up because one thing that being in, in Montana where I'm from is we have so many people moving in, specifically from California and Washington, and they want to move to Montana and and they want to you know buy their little ranchettes, they want to wear cowboy hats, they want to wear boots, and some and I'm mixed about people moving in, but I, I also understand you can't stop progress, but they also have a yearning to come back to a rural route maybe they never have had it maybe they've been 16 generations removed from farming and ranching but they have this drawback but it's frustrating as a young producer this drives up the price of land and uh, they also don't know what it's like to go out and do chores to, to be you know chopping ice when it's 20 below to be feeding cattle to be taking calves into the calving barn when it's calving season and the the temperature drops 50 degrees one way or the other how do we in the ag industry share our story a little more to these people that just want to be connected to us in some way even though they're they're not and 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 i'm not shaming anyone for wanting to to embrace the western lifestyle how do we use social media and just face-to-face interactions to help educate these people that are moving back to rural communities that have a choice when it comes to who they vote for and what beef they buy from local producers. Well, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? And I might be crazy in my thinking. No, I think um, it it is a fine line to be able to say, yes, we need new people wanting to live live this lifestyle because when you when you boil it down, it's not a job. It It is too hard to not love it. It's not worth it if you don't love it. Um, but I think to be able to welcome people, we have to be real about what it takes to do it. Um, and I think shows like Yellowstone have kind of uh, romanticized the life we get to live, so to speak. And not that there's anything wrong with romanticizing it, because it's a it's a really really neat life to get to get to live in and around God's creatures. But I think if we can do a better job of sharing our individual stories and saying this is what I do on a daily basis, no matter whether it's romantic and and fun that day or not. Um, we've really got to get real about what happens on a daily basis instead of maybe trying to curate what looks good on an Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah, I, I will just echo what Kendall said. We have to do a better job of sharing the real, what's really happening, the good and the bad. I mean, because it's easy to just curate your feed to all the beautiful things, all the really neat things that we get to witness. Um, but we also need to share the hard things like a few years ago, we had this teeny tiny calf born and I named him Timothy, tiny Tim (laughs) and put him in my Instagram stories and was going to have a feed post every Tuesday, Tuesdays with Timothy and showed the kids taking care of him and all of that. And he ended up not making it. And so I really debated, do I share that Tim died or do I just uh, like not like crickets? Don't say anything about it. And I ended up sharing that he died because I'm like, I can't not share that part. If I'm going to share everything else, I need to share that part too. 
Yeah, and I've struggled with that in the past too because we have to show all the positive, you know, and negatives, not only for the people that we're educating, but for the younger people coming up that we want to put on the right path because we're going to need younger people to take over, you know, what we're doing. Um, but I've struggled with that too when we've had some pass and the way they pass, you know, when you have a heifer that can't pass a calf and she ends up dying from it. A lot of people don't know that that happens. They don't know that that can kill a heifer. Um, and so I've always, there's a fine line when you have people that are just looking for something on social media that you're trying to put out there in a positive way and they can easily turn it negative um, because then they can take things and say it's cruel in the beef industry. When it's not, it's just it's part of it. I was just about to say there's a flip side to that yeah. coin and that everything we're sharing with potential people that want to enter the industry is also being seen by consumers that have no interest in entering the industry but they are consuming our product and they care about how it was raised you do have to consider both of those audiences that you're sharing stuff with yeah and that's when it comes back to being our job is educating because like you made that post on instagram a couple weeks ago about the one in the airport right oh yeah the the yeah PETA had yeah. Uh, on on the luggage racks mm-hmm. there in, in bozeman yeah. yeah. So for us, we take that and we have to turn it positive and it's our chance to make it something positive by telling like by educating people because they're just going to believe what they see out there. So we have to do our job as beef advocates and put out their positive things. How has your messaging changed with so much focus around sustainability now? Um, that, that's been a big push by consumers, uh, by the industry to, to, to show how we are stewards of our land, but sustainability is the it word. We always have a new it word that comes through uh, every few years, but uh, how has that maybe changed uh, your interaction with folks in and outside of the industry on, on highlighting sustainable agriculture? So a lot of what um, we do at the graduate program I'm at in Tifton is uh, grazing studies. And um, we just had a new um, professor come on that does a lot of methane studies. And so that's a new piece of it that I have um, gotten to experience in the last few months. And so had a few conversations that I wouldn't have normally gotten to have. Um, But I think it's a really neat opportunity for us on the cattle side to be able to say, hey, we utilize an animal that eats things that humans cannot eat and turns it into high quality protein. I don't know of a more sustainable program than that than the ruminant animal offers to us. Um, but I really think it's neat to be able to say that we utilize lands and utilize animals in a way that provides protein for humans, but that also can offset carbon footprints. It's not, it's not that we are, um, contributing we can actually utilize these animals to offset carbon Uh, that's a really cool facet for the sustainability conversation to me I honestly living in the sandhills of Nebraska and knowing the history of the sandhills like in the Dust Bowl days it was literally a 20,000 square mile expanse of sand blowing around and cattle saved the sand hills now they're grass covered there's wildlife populations that are growing and things like that like without that without grazing cattle they would be sand dunes again and so i really focus on that like talking about how cattle saved the sand hills and how they're part of the solution not only in the sand hills but across the country because 
inevitably when I talk about sustainability, I get a little pushback on like people seem to be more open to ranching than they do feeding. And I'm like, well, but feeding is also part of the puzzle because here's all the things that we get from feeding cattle there. They don't emit as much methane because they reach their market weight sooner. We can use the manure from the feedlots to provide a natural fertilizer to farmers. I, it's all, it's all, we have to have it all, all the kinds and I, I, I really do believe cattle are part of the solution. So, um, also, I have these Beef Builds Beautiful Bodies hats that I sell. <laughs> and the wind, the wind in Nebraska is really awesome. I'm in central Montana. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. So, my hat or my cap blew off one day and it landed on the ground. <laughs> I was mad because of the wind <laughs> and kind of cussing it. And, but then I looked at the ground and I'm like, you know what? I snapped a picture. I'm like, you know what? Beef builds beautiful human bodies, but it also builds beautiful bodies in the soil and the earth. And so I made a post about it because I was like, in that moment when I was so mad, and then I was like, wait a second, this is true whether it's on your head or on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you need stampede strings, even on your ball caps. I know. (laughs) Suck it up there. But, uh, you know, we talk about sustainability, but we, we, we have to be financially sustainable also in, in all of our ventures. And uh, it's like me talking for a living to, to, to be in the business, too. All of us have our different different ways of, of bringing income, being able to keep the lights on and, and uh, continuing on supporting our families. Um, I, I want you to talk more. Is it, it I want to say, is it Bar K Cattle Services, yes. Kendall? Yes, yes. So... And I know you mentioned that earlier, but how uh, how is it just being a business owner in general? As a young person, having your own business, what what is that like? So nobody could have prepared me for the roller coaster it was to start a business at the onset of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it has been a challenge for sure, um, but I don't know that there's been a single thing more rewarding for me thus far in my career. Uh, being able to be the sole person that runs an enterprise and say this is what I've gotten to build from the ground up around an animal that means the world to me and I get to spend time with people uh, that are of the same heart that I am Um, I get to serve people in a capacity that uh, maybe I'm I have a talent for that I can benefit someone else um, and it, it it's able to sustain me uh, as far as a livelihood there's not I guess the the best things in life come with challenge and um, I I don't know that there's been a single thing happened thus far that has been um, more influential on me than starting a business and Kendra for yourself photography is also an aspect of your business and so what what are some of the uh, projects that you work on and and folks that you uh, provide your services for um for me, it just started as a hobby, really, and just posting on my social media, and then people were coming to me asking, hey, can I put this on Canvas? I was like, sure, and then more people came. I was like, I probably need to start doing something with <laughs> because I'm just sending pictures to my friend, just letting them yeah. go put them on Canvas. So then I started to um, offer them myself because um, people, whether they are in the cattle industry or not, they like that in their homes, and I'm glad that my 
calves or heifers are sitting in somebody's house versus yeah. something they picked up from Hobby Lobby. It just means a lot more. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Hobby Lobby does sell a lot of uh, yeah. bovine yeah. images. Uh, but, but also, I want you to expand on being involved in the marketing aspect of cattle because, again, we talk about women in agriculture. The marketing is a pretty predominantly men arena. And what does it, it feel is. like to be a part of that, though, and uh, kind of uh, be, being a force in the industry, too? I enjoy it. Like I, it's hard to explain because, like I said, it's a passion. You can't really explain that to anybody. Um, but back to what Kendall was saying earlier, it all goes back to you don't want to be treated special because you're a woman. You just want to be treated equal. Mm-hmm. And so when you're able to go somewhere to a sale or a stockyard and you get the same respect and they don't look at you any different, that's always a good feeling. Um, but then just being able to do the same thing they do on horseback in a cell barn, mm-hmm. it's always it's a fun day. So what uh, what's been, what was your biggest learning curve getting into to the marketing livestock services arena? Because you guys got different cattle than I do up north there. You, you <laughs> yeah. talk about those long-eared yeah. cattle. So that's, yeah, it's a lot of different <laughs> cattle. Um, that's what we were talking about last night. Down here, we're in Texas, so I reckon Texas too, but down south, we like the eared cattle. When you sell to barns, to feed yards up there, they don't want anything with ear on them because they can't live up there. Yeah, so you, off, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> anything with a little bit of ear either stays on the ranch or it'll get money t- taken off. What, and what's your bit of information to a young person out there and uh, or a young woman that, that is looking at this that maybe follows you on social media and says, you know what, you know, I love working at the stockyards, you know, dad maybe runs this, you know, what, what, what is that maybe just sitting there watching your, your social media channels? What, what, what is a bit of information or just some encouragement to, to push them to say, you know what, you can do this. If it's something you want to do and something you have a passion for, then nothing else should stop you. Nobody's opinion um, or anything like that. Just go out there and do it and you're going to fail, but that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. And then not only that, but don't be scared to message people that you see in the industry and ask them questions because we love that. I love getting messages from people when they ask me about certain things in the cattle industry Um, and what I've, you know, done and um, things I've shared. They'll have questions about that. And we need more people like that that are willing to learn. Yep. So... And Taryn, I, I, I want you to talk about here in the notes they provided me to the Rural Rooted Retreat. What, uh, what is that and, and how is that uh, also just a way to, to connect people? Yeah, so the Rural Rooted Retreat was created by Natalie Kavoric and I participated in her inaugural, I'm an OG Rural Rooted Who, sister. Who's Natalie? I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, so I participated in her first retreat in March of 2021 and I don't have the words to describe it other than it is life changing. It's a business retreat and on and you learn how to market online and things like that, but there's a unique piece to rural rooted. I used to be an online course junkie and I never got in anything out of those courses like I got out of Rural Rooted. There's a unique aspect that Natalie puts in there that is about community with like-minded women and business owners that you just don't get anywhere else. 
So, and I want you to expand upon that term that I, I hadn't heard before and really diving into producers' profiles. And Could you talk more about that and how that could... Tr- I, I look at it as like almost a mental health improvement too and, and bettering people in the countryside. And that could be totally opposite of what, what the point you're, you were trying to share. But that's just what, what jumped into my mind. But uh, The Enneagram? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the Enneagram is a personality typing system we have other personality typing systems like the Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. and the one with the colors that I can never remember the oh, name of. The four colored one? or uh, Yeah, like the green, red, yeah. blue, yellow one. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. Um, Gallup Strengths Finder. Yep. There's a ton of personality typing systems out there. But what sets the Enneagram apart is where those other systems tell you what your characteristics and behaviors are and what your strengths and weaknesses are and they kind of give you tips on how to like build up your strengths and like squelch your weaknesses. The Enneagram comes at it from a motivation perspective. So your core type with the Enneagram is determined by your motivation. So it tells you why you behave the way you do, why you react the way you do. It gives you the, shows you the lens through which you view the world and your greatest strength with the Enneagram is also your greatest weakness. So you can't have one without the other. And when I think when we know why we do things the way we do, we're better set up to actually make positive improvements in ourselves and the way that we communicate with others. So with Enneagram, there's nine main types and you have your core type, which you're born with. It's all rooted in that type's motivation, but then you can learn about the other types and their motivations, and I think it sets you up for success when you're communicating and just being in the world with other people. And so how, how do you hope to help specifically uh, cattle producers, encourage them to participate in this, learn about those strengths and weaknesses? Because I'm just thinking to myself, you know, picturing myself working with my dad working cattle right now just because we think so much alike but we're still a little different and I might do things like 10 seconds slower than he does on on the reaction we work cattle good together but it's just so stressful if I was a cow we'd be concerned about my cortisol levels (laughs) but um, I guess what would your overall goal be to try to to improve people's lives and working cattle together I mean Happy marriages are, are not working cattle together sometimes, uh, I've been told. But uh, what, I guess, what is your ultimate goal with that? Yeah, so I like to say that I became an Enneagram coach for selfish reasons. Because over the past, I'm, an, I'm a type 9, which is the peacemaker. And so I can't not see multiple sides to situations. So it, as you might imagine, the last couple of years with a pandemic and a, a very heated election, I've had a hard time <laughs> with all of the conflict because mm-hmm. peacemakers do not like conflict we try to avoid it at all costs Um, so so my reasons for becoming a coach were very selfish because I think when we understand each other better then we have less conflict and so where I want to go with this where my niche niche whatever whichever pronunciation you use (laughs) is um, rural small business and farms and ranches with either employees or multi-generational operations. So I would like to come into, I actually did a workshop for another organization a couple of weeks ago with their leadership academy and we determined their types and then at the end of the workshop or towards the end of the workshop, the first part is determining your type and then learning about all the other types and then we talk about communication styles and how to, even if you don't, because the first rule 
of the Enneagram is don't type your friends or don't type other people, which just means don't tell them their type. Like you can be curious and you can be like, I can hold it loosely what I think Kendall is or what I think Kendra is or what I think you are and communicate with you in that way. But at the end of the day, the best way to communicate with people is to reflect on what you know about yourself. Like as a type nine, I know that I struggle with passive aggression and not all the other types. Like I'm worried about how you're going to take something I say because I don't want it to cause conflict between us. But I, knowing that I struggle with that, I check myself and I'm like, you know what? Not everybody is like me. So, and passive aggression is not always kindness. (laughs) Like it's not kind. Like I think it is. It's just being unclear. And when you're clear, you're kind. So I tell myself that. And then I communicate more clearly with other people. And it seems like this has like, cause I did Gallup's poll, Gallup polls, uh, Gallup's strength finders through FFA. Then we had to do it in college for uh, an entity I worked for. And I got the same results each time. But there's so many, so much stuff that you just get bogged down. And so this one sounds a lot more, um, attainable when you're trying to better yourself too. I guess what, what, what are your guys' thoughts on hearing something like this? How, why family businesses or entities should be looking at this, especially in agriculture. I mean, we're always looking for better genetics. We're always looking for better ways of working cattle. I guess, what what what's what are your guys' thoughts on, on hearing this aspect of it? Yeah, so we actually had this conversation last night, too, because uh, I... What, what? <laughs> can we talk about this? Yes, yes, we can. Okay, okay. So um, my type is an eight, and it's very different from Taryn in that... Um, I don't necessarily look for conflict, but I don't necessarily back down from conflict either. I, I, I try to resolve things very quickly and efficiently, but we've come to learn that sometimes that translates as harsh to other people when that was never how I intended it. I, was, uh, I just try to get things done in the most efficient and um, short way possible, but that, that translates to harsh for some people, and if you're working with family or if you're working with other people, Harsh is not going to be conducive to a good working environment. So those are things that I have to take into consideration when I'm communicating with other people is, yes, I may be trying to get done in the most efficient way possible, but is that going to hurt my relationship with this person moving forward? And if it is, I need to identify how maybe I can improve my communication. Kendra? I'm the same way. I'm, like we talked about last night, I'm a three. And later on, Taryn could tell me if she feels like I'm a three or not, because I will ask her opinion. <laughs> but um, for me, I'm very organized, goal-oriented. I like a timeline. And I, you come to realize real quick that with cattle, you can't be always organized and have a timeline. And so when it comes to that aspect of working with people in the cattle industry, and when you're out there working live cattle, you have to realize, okay, that's my personality type, but I need to take a step back because that's not going to be attainable today, and that'll drive people crazy because it'll be like the previous day. I'm, I'm already thinking about what we're going to do tomorrow with the cattle. I'm like, I'm wasting my energy because it's not going to go as planned anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was disciplined, strategic, like whatever the strength finders were for, for Gallup, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a list person, and I will follow <laughs> that list, but it's totally different. Oh, I'm, I'm the same cattle, way. Though, yep. Because – you're just trained to just you go with the flow yep. and the best and some people were uh, ron gill will argue with you on this that you always say the best way to work cattle is slow he has an argument for that but it's a good philosophy in my opinion but what do i know i talk for a living most of the time but but that between that actual strength finder thing because uh, 
Obviously, that's the only one I've done. Well, I've done the colored one, too. I don't like the colored one. That's too basic. That's too basic. But again, it's so weird how that your mind changes, though, to that adaptive working cows at their pace and whatnot to getting back to yourself and writing down the checklist and making sure the vaccine is in the cooler and done this way. Like, my dad is totally the opposite when it comes to stuff like that. And that's where our our biggest hit yeah. i'm like did you get the vaccine that's mm-hmm. our biggest arguments ever it's always vaccine oh no i gotta back run back to town to get that out of everything he does he's so proficient <laughs> but it's always the vaccine the cattle are in the pins but we don't needles? have vaccine oh there's needles in there did you get you know sorry sorry now i'm throwing family drama into this thing here <laughs> throwing your dad under the bus right. way to oh, go Wayne. he's a tough guy <laughs> but hey i i know again like i said we were talking about ambassador program briefly at the beginning um and I said I was going to get off into the sagebrush, which I did. But at the end of the day, what what is your biggest, uh, what do you get out of being an ambassador? What is the biggest benefit to, to, to yourself and your operation, but also just letting people know about uh, all that goes on here at convention? Ken, I'll start with you. So the biggest thing I have gotten now, so this is my third year being uh, an ambassador with NCBA for the convention. And the biggest thing I get out of it is networking. I've come away with so many friendships with new people from this program and, and being able to talk to convention goers that I may or may not have been able to speak to uh, at any other convention. It's just really been a great opportunity to network. Uh, and I, I really value the friendships that I've made and the people I've met through this program. Yeah, I would just echo what Kendall said. My first convention was 2017 as an ambassador to the Nashville convention. And I I will tell you, there is a lot of information to take in here and a lot of great things, but the greatest for me is the networking and the people that you meet and the connections that you make. Kendra? Yeah, I enjoy um, leading up to a convention being able to educate people and promote the convention and then them ask us questions and give our opinions on everything but walking away from convention you meet so many friendships like that's how I met both of these um, Kendall and Taryn and you walk away with friendships and connections and the information you get here is it can be overwhelming because they put a lot of information on your plate in a short amount of time um, but it's definitely something that if anybody gets a chance to do, should 100% do it. And uh, lastly, uh, you want to give a plug on your social media platforms and businesses? Free advertising. Yeah, that would be awesome. So you can follow me on Instagram. It's kindlesw.bar.k. Uh, it's K-E-N-D-A-L-L-S-W dot bar dot K. And then you can add me on Facebook, Kendall Watley, or follow my business page on Facebook is Bar K Cattle Services. I'm on Facebook as Kendra Dawn Orozco, and the last name is O-R-O-Z-C-O. And then on Instagram as Kendra Dawn period underscore. I am on Instagram. I recently changed my handle from Faith Family and Beef to Taryn, T-E-R-R-Y-N dot Dreeling. D is in David, R-I-E-L-I-N-G. Can you tell I've had to spell my name quite a bit? <laughs> um, but my website is faithfamilyandbeef.com, and I'm on Facebook at Faith Family and Beef. Well, again, thank you all three of you for taking the time and putting up with uh, my questions and unable to, uh, my lack of being able to do a proper introduction <laughs> when we first try to do this show. We, we, we should have an outtake show. 
I, were you I, recording all the outtakes? That would be oh hilarious. Yeah, I was. Oh, yeah, I, everything was live. <laughs> yeah, there. those would be great. We could re- hear those again. Can I redo my piece so I can add my website on yeah. there? I forgot to do that. I'll just jump in and say it. Okay. I'm not going to edit it. You just jump in and say cool. it. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you can follow me on Instagram at kindlesw.bar.k, uh, or you can follow me on Facebook at Bar K Cattle Services, and my website is barkcattleservicesllc.com. Perfect. Well, again, thank you to the three of you for, for coming in and sitting down with us and, and briefly talking about the Ambassador Program. It is an important program to get folks to come down and, and also just the opportunity to get a discount as well uh, using your discount codes that uh, are provided uh, uh, coming up to convention, obviously. Uh, but thank you for all you do in telling agriculture story and, and also having your own businesses to, to, to help support rural communities and your operations and, and to help better people's lives. And uh, I think that's the best thing about being a rural mayor because, you know, there, there is a lot of sour people online, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I think we're all there for each other and we support each other, and that's the unique thing about that rural America. And I still think that I should be a writer on Yellowstone. I mean, we ranch on the Fort Belknap Indian Reservation. I have a unique perspective, and I'm from Montana. Sure. I, sh- I should be able to share that on Yellowstone, don't you think? <laughs> Full disclosure, I mean, Lane, you said you've only seen one episode, but I've seen zero episodes. Oh, so I <laughs> haven't either. I haven't watched it. Yeah, that's Have okay. you watched it, Kendra? I've seen a few. Yeah, okay. But good thing we're not having trivia on Yellowstone yeah. here today. We'd <laughs> yeah. all lose. But hey, thank you so much for joining us here out on the podcast airwaves. And if you have not subscribed to the Cattleman's Call podcast, uh, do it not because of the hosts that uh, can barely get a word out some days. Do it because of the guests that we have on here that uh, work day in and day out to improve the lives of us in rural America and our production agriculture operations. Friends, that will do it for today's Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Northland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.